He would have started his company sooner. He got his uh, really cut his teeth inside of Amazon, uh, watching Bezos go in and zoom in and really understand every detail of the business. Then got in and uh, wasn't really excited about it, but learned a lot at Microsoft before jumping out, teaming up with some buddies in Seattle, coding at bars, launched a company called Group Talent, realized that wasn't the real product that was taking off, pivoted, kept the investors for supporting him early, is now building Outreach.io, sales engagement platform, having a lot of success. They are now serving over 2,200 Logos doing north of five million a quarter, hoping to double and hit, you know, call it 10 million a quarter by the end of 2018. Really healthy economics, focusing less and less over time on landing and more and more on expanding. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Manny Medina. He's the CEO of a company called Outreach, the number one sales engagement platform. Before Outreach, he led Group Talent, which was Microsoft's Windows phone business development team in Latin America and Canada. Before that, he engineered Amazon's compensation system for Amazon Associates, which is the web's largest and most successful affiliate business, and their web service, uh, their web services, which accounts for about 15% of Amazon's traffic. He's got an MBA from Harvard Business School and MSN Computer Science from University of Pennsylvania. Manny, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. I am ready. So, so, so Bezos is obviously always in the news, and I want to focus on outreach for the majority of the show. But give us some quick insights. What makes this guy so successful? Is it some kind of discipline? Is he, you know, really strict and mean like Steve Jobs? I mean, what did you see? Um, there's a number of things that he does, but he has a philosophy of running the business that I think is unique. Um, the, the main two things are that he is there's no detail too small for him. And, and not only as part of being CEO and knowing the strategy and having the vision and where you're going, but also having the, the understanding and the empathy to get down into the lowest levels of your organization, into the deepest and darkest and most broken systems and understand what makes them work and what makes, what makes them not work and what can you fix right now and need to fix right now and what can you punt. To have that kind of like Zoom, ability to zoom in and out as a CEO, I think is a superpower. Interesting. And I, I model my own my own behavior after that particular uh, superpower that he had that he showed it in spades. Um, his Monday morning or his Tuesday morning meetings that will last all day are colonoscopies on the entire business. He will go in and just be all up everybody's things and just understand his business to uh, to the very minute level. And and we do the same thing here, in which it gives you a peace of mind and understanding that you have your entire head wrapped around everything. Uh, and I think that's very good. The second thing is for him, that his decision-making is, is very crisp and he's very principled in that respect in that a, a no decision is a decision not to do something. And that's very important because most people think that if you can't make a decision right now and you punt, that you're getting free time. And it's not true. When you decide to stay in status quo, he thinks of it as a trade in that, you decided to long status quo and short 
the optionality of the future. You see what I mean? Yep. And you're doing it for a reason. So that crisis of thinking of like, there is no such thing as a free lunch in which if you decide what you want, you're making a, you're making a bet in the, your current system. If you're making, if you're going to make a change, you're saying, look, the current system is not going to scale or it's not going to work. I'm going to go into the next one. But that is always a conscious decision. So that's, that's one of the things I love about him. And that allows me to sort of like, you know, do quick principal decisions around outreach as well. So take us now into outreach. How do you describe yourself and what's your revenue model? Are you pure play SaaS? We are pure play SaaS. Um, we are uh, a sales engagement platform, which is a new category in sales. And what this does is that sales engagement sort of separates the two sort of core components of, of, of the sales stack. One is where you store your data, which is your CRM, where you build your lists, where you keep your accounts, where you keep your contacts, where you come in with your leads. And it sort of becomes this big bucket of repository of lead account and opportunity information and personal information. But you execute on those, on that data somewhere else, meaning you're emailing, you're calling, you're sending calendar appointments, and then you're maintaining customer and taking it through the journey of, per, of, of finding out about you, purchasing your decision, your solution, and then being retained, maintained, and educated within your platform. We enable that wall-to-wall customer engagement that allows the, and, and which allows then the rep to be more efficient with their time. Because now we can, the moment that you execute your activity outreach, meaning you send your emails and your and your and your voicemails and make your calls and send your calendar appointments, we're able to now compress time that takes to get to the same outcome. And that's what the important thing about outreach is that we allow you to increase your productivity as well as compress time. We give you sort of significant leverage on that resource. And that's what our and so give me give me a general sense of customer size. What would you say the average customer will pay you per year? Are we talking, you know, a grand, 10 grand, a million? So we, the price of outreach varies depending on what you have calendaring or voice along with it. And it varies anywhere between $120 to $140 per month. Per seat. And uh, the majority of our customers have sales teams of, of around, they start at around 20 to 30 seats and they go up from there. That's sort of the, the mean. Um, we have as customers are large as CenturyLink or General Electric, uh, MindBody, Splunk, customers of that uh, ilk, um, ca- um, uh, Capital One. It's a, it's a very broad, diverse set of customers. And if you think about it, if you, have a, if you have a rep that is facing a customer, you need outreach. It's the way you think about us. Um, there will always be a communication and a workflow to what your rep does that can be optimizing, can be made better. And that's where we come in. And where, so now that we kind of understand what you do in average kind of deal size, et cetera, take me back to the beginning. Did you decide to leave Amazon and jump right into outreach? What, where was your brain at that point? Oh, this is, that's a great question. So I, I was at Microsoft and I was peddling the last version of Windows Phone. And that's you. <laughs> that's not a good you, way to say it. That, that says, well, I didn't enjoy doing this. I felt like I was peddling, you know. Well, we, because we, nobody felt great about it. And it was one thing after the, the, the phone itself was a great product, but we could not crack the market that was, you know, slowly being monopolized, you know, away from, from, um, low Blackberry right into Apple and, and, uh, and Android and, and Microsoft sort of tried to throw, to throw, you know, resources at this problem with a grander vision that there will be no sort of winning a foreign factor in terms of size, that the phone is just, 
you know, one smaller device than a tablet, which is one smaller device than a bigger tablet, which is one smaller device than a laptop, which is one smaller device than a PC. So they approach the problem comprehensively and they sort of miss the boat around like, no, the phone needs to be fucking great. And that's where it ends. Um, so they, they went against this larger strategy that now you see they're peeling back by selling off Nokia and et cetera, and sort of getting back to first principles and being a real software company. So that led to outreach. What year was that? When did you launch outreach? Uh, no, 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 actually that led to group talent. So I, first of all, I quit, <laughs> I didn't quit with a great idea. I just said to myself, these are the best, most productive years of my life. How old were and you? I, uh, I was, uh, that, so that was almost 10 years ago. So I was. I was almost 40. So I guess, I guess it was a midlife crisis. <laughs> Instead of getting a Harley um, and, 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 you know, changing my life significantly, I just decided to quit and start a company. And what I did is I, I sort of went back to coding and I started hanging out with the uh, sort of the, 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 the Seattle low life that is starting to start companies. Right. So we will gather at this bar and like meet other founders and like, you know, kind of like do hackathons and, you know, and code the ideas that we had in our head. And then in that process, I met Andrew Kinzer. Who, who was roughly doing the same thing. And so we decided to, with a small group, to apply to Techstars with a different idea than what you have, that you have right now. And during Techstars, we met Andrew and, sorry, Gordon and Wes, who are my, who are my other two co-founders. And At Outreach? And, and that started Group Talent. Group Talent. So Group Talent was what is now Hired, or you know, the, the, was a competitor to Hired. It was a marketplace, but it ended up being just a glorified agency for talent. And what we tried to solve the recruiting problem by using technology. So we said that we, we argued that we would have an, uh, a leg up if we were to create better matching algorithms between companies and individuals, that if we were to create better profiles for developers and engineers and so forth. And that was our hypothesis going into the market. That hypothesis did not work. But what we did learn is that there was sort of demand for hiring. And if we were just to capture that demand, we'll make money and like not go broke. So the, we had this seminal moment around when we had two months of cash left in the bank that we need to sell our way which was, out of. Which was how much? Like 60 grand? It was around 50 grand. 50 grand, okay. Probably, it was probably a little bit less, but you know, roughly that. We were paying ourselves very little. And, and what we decided to do was to build an engine that would allow us, we had a small group of two salespeople that, that would build an engine that would allow those two salespeople to sell like a team of 20. And when I say that is the means to generate enough meetings for all of us that we can turn into an opportunities and then into close sales. So we went back and we analyzed so what makes a, what gets to a meeting the fastest. And we found out that we built something that, that does that, right? One is it allows you to follow up and, and it creates an avenue for, for quick personalization. And when you put those two together, you can, you can, you can take a team of two and turn them into a team of 20 because they can execute so much faster and generate the meetings. As we were generating these meetings, the people to whom we set up the meetings were way more interested in the tool that we used to get that meeting than what we were selling. And as we, as I get it, was that just know, a cold email? What was the outreach? It was a cold email. Okay. It was a cold, so it was two components. It was a cold email that had a one liner personalization, which allowed us to then hire writers and pay them per email so that we can scale faster the personalization. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it would allow, and then the machine will do a lot of the follow-ups that would say, Hey, I know you're super busy. I was wondering if you saw this, you know, uh, here's an article, et cetera. So a lot of the files were automated and a lot of the first emails were, were personalized. And we would have, and so what we found out is that we would get 45 to 50% reply rates on cold emails. That is and what year was this, Manny? This is in 2014. Okay. So in 2014, we built this engine and we're digging our way out of this thing. 
if people were not buying our recruiting services and they were really saying, hey, can, can, I, can I just use your platform to do my work? And that was sort of the seminal moment of like, all right, maybe we need to we need to change the business. So do you pivot or do you clean the cap table, shut the company down, restart from scratch? That's a great that's another great question. So we pivoted. And the reason we pivoted is because you, you know, you don't shit where you eat. And we're we're Seattleites. We raised our funds from local individuals and those people betted on us. They didn't bet on group talent. How much had you raised at that point? About a million and a half. And what, what are you at today in terms of total raised? 60 million. Yeah. So good. So those people are still on the cap table today, unless there was a secondary or something. They're very much in the cap table. But now here's a trick, right? So for your listeners, is that when you're pivoting and you're running out of money at the same time, it's really hard to go and bring in new investors. So especially because people say, you know, your cap table is dirty, you're going to get diluted. There is all these dynamics that you sort of have to navigate through. What we did is that we built the initial version of outreach. And then we and then we sold a note at a significant discount from the previous valuation. Okay. That allowed new you investors. Mean, you mean the cap was a discount to the previously priced round? Correct. The okay. cap on the note was a very a significant discount from the previously priced round. And then what that allows to, to 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 is to go out to market with a new value prop that seemed very cheap to new investors, especially because a lot of my raise for outreach I did it in Silicon Valley, where. Yep. They, to get into a company, you're paying just to talk to the entrepreneur. You're looking at $10 million valuations, even though the entrepreneur has at least a finger. Yep. You see what I mean? So we can, we can come in with a four, five, $3 million valuation. You look People sexy. Are, what's that? You look sexy then. You look very sexy when you have <laughs> working product, a team of entrepreneurs that already mean through hell and back, and the valuation is really low. So that allows you to sort of get momentum on the note. And, 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 and we raise. So I sold the first 100 customers of outreach door to door in the SOMA in San Francisco. And I, I raised my first $400,000 of, of, of new capital walking, you know, walking the streets around Soma and meeting a lot of, a lot of angels in that area. Cause that area also has a ton of angels. That's and, amazing. Real, real quick, Manny, just quickly, cause we're running out of time, the customer count. So you, you got your first hundred door to door. I love that. It sounds like you, you dual executed and got investors doing the same thing. What have you scaled customers to today? Give us a general sense of size. We have now 2,200 customers. We have a sales team of, you know, around 30 account executives and, you know, 20 SDRs, et cetera. So now we're, we're a bigger proper operation. Yeah. Um, I'm not selling door to door anymore to small accounts, <laughs> selling, selling, you know, AT&T's and, you know, capital ones of the world. So um, we're, we're, we're now, you know, significantly larger than that. Respect. And Manny, just to be clear, you said earlier that on average, these guys, these low 2200 logos are putting 20 to 30 seats a pop just in, I imagine in first year ACV. And then you've got, you know, $140 ARPU. So you guys are doing well, we're doing, you know, north of 6 million a month now at that point, right? At this point, right? Correct. Okay, good. Have you broken 10 million a month or you think you'll do it this year? Uh, we will do it. We will we will do it this year. That's great. And what, break down the team for me. So you see, I'm, I want to understand the differentiation between engineering and sales. How many total on the team? It's around. It's around. It's a roughly. So we don't consider sales sales because a lot, when you're a SaaS business, the, the majority of your sales are expansions, especially when you're a landing span operation like we are. So our go to market team is almost half sales and half success. Okay. And the other half of the company, if you would, or the other sort of like third of the company is product and engineering R and D in general. And then the engineering has both product design, machine learning, and software development. And how many total team team members? Uh, the company is 250 people. All based in Seattle? Uh, about 120 of them in Seattle. And the rest, the rest are remote? There are, there are a few of them in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Yeah. And then the uh, the majority of the AEs are in, 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 uh, in our target markets. 
Many of you use email marketing to grow and build your businesses, but I've got a big question for you. Are you connecting your email marketing with other services and tools that you use to build your business like Salesforce and Google Analytics? If not, you've got to check out Emma. You'll have everything you need to connect your data, build your audience, and do your most successful email marketing campaign ever. Lots of folks are using Emma because their easy-to-use platform makes advanced functionality accessible to everyone on your team, from your intern to your CEO. No technical skills are required to send these campaigns. Most importantly, I know we all hit snags along the road when we use new tools. They've got an award-winning support team. The support team helps with your strategy, design, list migration, which is important if you're moving from somebody else, and much more. So put the power of email experts behind your marketing. Request a customized demo of Emma's email marketing platform today at myemma.com. Again, that's myemma.com. Talk to me about growth. So you're, you're north of 6 million today. I mean, what are you growing at year over year right now? So last year we posted over 150% growth year over year. That's, I mean, that's, that's great. We've so been, we've been doubling every, every year. That's great. Um, so you recall, I mean, go back 12 months from today. That means you're doing about what? Two, eight, 2.8 million per month. And you've, you know, more than doubled now today. So we hit, so we hit the, the numbers that I can give you. We, we hit, we went from zero to ten million dollars in AR in two in two years. Twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. Twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. That's right. And yeah. then being over well over doubling every year since. And that's that sort of continues to be the run rate that we that, do operate. That's great. And just to be clear, sorry, you said you said you'll break ten million a month. You think this year by the end of this year? Oh, well, be, well before then. Well before the end. That's that's fun. I mean, if you went from zero to ten million in ARR in the first two years, and now you're telling me you're you're going to break ten million per month. Right, I mean that's incredible. No, no, growth. Per, per, sorry, no, no, per quarter, per quarter. Ah, okay, I was gonna say, okay, it's a 10, 10 per quarter, so caught, you know, what is that, thirty three hundred, three point three uh, per month. That's still really healthy. Um, talk to me about some other economics in a, in a SaaS business. So you mentioned expansion revenue. Churn is obviously critical. Tell me about your churn. So actually, let me tell you about something else because you know you, you can hear about churn and 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 CAC ratios and magic numbers and rule of forties. Like there are all the all the shit is available to to the public and they can go and read. What, what we bring to the market and the way we think about our business is actually on, on more like a consumer business. So we count active users because if you, if you make the true north of your company of a customer that is being active in the platform and is deriving value from it, everything else sorts out. You know what I mean? Because you know your unique economics per user. You know how much they're paying you. And if you keep that user active and successful, then you know you're going to retain him forever. So your LTV calculation just gets a lot, a lot better. It's ir- and, and it's also irrational. You could argue it's infinite at some points. That, that, that's precisely right. So I actually like to optimize for active user, repeat visits, actions taken, value added, um, meetings booked. So success metrics on a per user basis, because that keeps them coming back and they talk to other users. And then I have a handful of ratios, right? So now if I monotonically increase my self-sufficiency over time, grow my active user base over time, all of a sudden I got a, I got growth on top of growth on top of growth, which makes it a very attractive business. Yep. So, so just, are- just, just to be clear, when you, I'm curious the economics around how you look at your current customer base and, and how you're able to expand them in year one versus bring on new customers. I mean, right now, what's your, just your pure expansion revenue at, on a contract year over year? Oh, it's well over 100%. Yeah, and, wow. And so you're more than doubling. You're more than doubling ACVs. That's, that's exactly right. So on a cohort basis, we take our job is to land as fast as we can in the smallest team that we can and then expand. So they, you know, the word that we have here is make him a customer. Yep. The moment you make him a customer, the magic shows up. 
And then we can then do all sorts of things across the entire sort of go-to-market team of our customers and give them, uh, you know, uh, limited pilots or get them on the platform early. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of other <laughs> mechanics that you can now employ once you're a customer that are more viral that require a lot less per, 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 new, per new customer than if you go and land a big account. You see yeah. what I mean? So the way that you actually manage better performance on a customer acquisition basis over time is by reducing your land and accelerating your expand. Yep. You see what I mean? And that's, and that's how we think about it. And this, this is why active user and a successful user is such a key metric for us. Because the moment we do that, the expansion gets a lot cheaper over time. Yep. Yep. Because your lifetime value goes way up. That's exactly right. Yep. Tell me about the, I know you don't want to focus on land. You want to focus on expand, but what does it take you to land the first customer? What's your CAC look like? Or if you don't really care about CAC, sometimes it's hard to, you know, look at across cohorts. What do you like to optimize payback period for? How like, how fast do you get your money back? So everybody, you know, less than a year, of course. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, most people, we, we are right now, you know, a little bit north of a year, like, a, you know, 11 months or so, sorry, 13 months or so. Yep. But, uh, but we're bringing that back to, to less than a year. And again, the trick is to, monotonically increase the performance of your rep while increasing the, you know, reducing the friction for that expansion. You know what I mean? So what do you have to do to the core app to be, to be more serviceable across, across customer facing functions? And how do you get that viral loop going within that, within that account? With that in in mind, sorry, I was gonna say with that in mind, your account executives, once they land the account, do they hold that account over the life of the account? And do you increase their, their, do you have a quota for expansion on those accounts, depending on how old those accounts are they're managing? Depending on the size of the account. So if the, if the account has a distributed sales team that it varies per, that it varies per, per line of business. So for instance, take Adobe, a customer. Yep. Adobe has a sales team for each of their line of businesses. They have one for Adobe Creative Cloud. They have one for Adobe Marketing Cloud. They have one for each of these clouds. And they're completely separate from the other accounts. So for those kind of accounts, we have the, the a sort of continue to go and prospect into new areas of the account. And even though that costs you more on a per active user basis, because the account has so many potential seeds, it makes it makes sense for us. But if you take a smaller um, a smaller land, like a company that only got, you know, everybody's in the same building, then the, the, the AE sort of gets for gets paid for the first year period expansion. And okay. then after that, it's all the, the, uh, the customer success manager. Interesting, which which helps your economics there because the, 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 obviously you're not paying a commission on that after that point. That's exactly right. So it's incentivizing those account managers to upsell as much as they possibly can and drive usage as much as they possibly can in that first year. That's exactly right. But also incentivize them to close the account quick with whatever they have. Interesting. I, don't want, I don't want the account executives to go and look for more seats. I want them to land quick and expand quick. Well, how are they expanding quick? What are the other ways they can expand besides upselling more seats? They just add additional product lines? Additional product lines, finding out, you know, uh, adjacent sources of, of business, um, working with internal teams to make sure that the deployment goes right, to make sure that the account is mapped correctly when they send it over. So it, usually a dream account is one that you have the entire sort of like, you know, coach and champion and user and everybody in between and the decision makers and everybody in between sort of well mapped out by the time it's sold and handed over to the implementation team. And then the implementation team can do and expand very, very quickly. Yep. And then all the account manager has to do is make interest and continue to milk that account. You see it, what I mean? It's, so, it's clear you come from a systems background, which is why I really enjoy this. And uh, you've given a lot of, I think, great tactical pieces of advice. I can see where the Amazon overlap is coming into outreach. <laughs> quick, quick question. When was the last time you answered a support email? Um, I actually, so about two and a half months ago, so I, good. I, I, um, I, I like to sit with my support team at least once a quarter. Uh, I'm going to try to do it once a month and actually take a true difficult email. That's your version <laughs> of the Bezos zoom. Precisely. Yeah. I love it. That's great. Yeah.
system that you're running here. Yeah, that's great. Before we wrap up with the Famous Five, I want to make sure I get this clear because I want to track your progress over the time. You think you'll double this year up to well north of 10 million a quarter, which means you're doing around 5 million a quarter today. Are those generally accurate? We're doing more than that. More than 5 million a quarter today. So that's the reason I ask is it becomes harder and harder to get 100% year over year growth once you get to your size. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if your team and you are happy and excited and you're bored at, you know, 80 or 70% year over year growth. So a lot of people use a rule of 40. Um, as you know, it's, it's, I think it's 40% margin, 40% year over year growth. Um, and it needs to add up to some other number. Yeah. Um, we looked at, we looked at more as a, what is the available addressable market for us and how fast can we capture that? Uh, the, the problem with where we are is we're actually building a category. So there isn't such a thing as beating too early in an account. And then you're beating your head against a wall because you're not penetrating that account faster. So the idea is of finding sort of the soft spots where, we make sense, meaning the account is educated enough. They already had a CRM deployed. They're already looking for the next avenue of growth. And that's when we come in. So we can, we can grow past that because then we'll be, you know, spending money foolishly in educating the market. Yep. And we can grow slower than that because then we're not capturing the opportunity. You see what I mean? Yep, so it's I not as, 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 you know, what kind of growth you're going to have. It's really sensing out where the market edges are and sort of operating at that level. Yep. All right, man. He makes good sense. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Quick answers. Number one, what's the last business book you read? The last business book I read, um, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of high output management. I read that almost every other month. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I always, I always study what business is doing. I always study what Benioff is doing. Um, those are my two favorite CEOs. If you're doing south of 40 million in AR right now and Benioff comes to you and offers you a 10x multiple, so almost half a billion dollars, do you sell the company? Only if I get to run Salesforce. <laughs> Good answer. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business besides your own? Um, I mean, frankly, Google Docs. I, I'm a, I took this, this habit from Amazon in which I, I only accept long-form documents. I don't do, pro, I don't do PowerPoints. That's smart. If you, if you, I, you need to explain your thought completely with charts and numbers and premises and conclusions and everything in between. So for me, it's, it's a well-elaborated Word doc with numbers in it. Number four, uh, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, between four and six. Okay, that's pretty healthy. And what's your situation, Manny? Married, single, have kids? Married, with kids. How many kiddos you got? Three. Are they, oh my gosh, are they young? I got him. I got him across the across the board. So I okay. got a, I got a one and a half year old. I got a twelve year old. I got a twenty year old. That's good. So you can you can make the older one take care of the younger one and save you and the misses some time, huh? That's right. <laughs> and how old are you? Well, I am I am forty five. All right. Last question. What do you wish your twenty year old self knew? I wish I would have started a company earlier. There you guys have it from Manny. He would have started his company sooner. He got his, uh, really cut his teeth inside of Amazon, uh, watching Bezos go in and zoom in and really understand every detail of the business. Then got in and uh, wasn't really excited about it, but learned a lot at Microsoft before jumping out, teaming up with some buddies in Seattle, coding at bars, launched a company called Group Talent, realized that wasn't the real product that was taking off, pivoted, kept the investors for supporting him early, is now building Outreach.io, sales engagement platform, having a lot of success. They are now serving over 2,200 logos doing north of 5 million a quarter, hoping to double and hit, you know, call it 10 million a quarter by the end of 2018. Really healthy economics, focusing less and less over time on landing and more and more on expanding. Manny, thank you for taking us to the top. See you, man.